it's good to be with you. Glad you're here today. If you uh, see me up close, uh, you'll think that I have a really bad case of pink eye. Uh, so here, let me let me let me put your your uh, concerns uh, to bed. It's not conjunctivitis. That's the fancy word. Uh, it's actually a needle got put in my eye and they nicked a nerve uh, vein, I guess actually. And anyway, that's what's going on. So. Uh, if, if you see me, you can shake my hand and you won't catch it. Okay? There you go. Uh, why church matters today and for the next five Sundays. And, and, and if you're thinking with me right now, uh, why, Pastor Jeff, are you talking about this subject to us? Because we're here, <laughs> right? Yeah, you're kind of preaching to the choir, aren't you? Uh, so why are you uh, taking six Sundays... Uh, uh, if we didn't think church matters, we wouldn't be here this morning, right? You went through snow and ice and all sorts of things to get here today. Uh, well, well, let me give you some reasons why we're going to spend six weeks on this topic, why church matters. First reason is because many of you who are here, you're, you're here and you're here most Sundays, but the truth is you've never stopped and thought about, why do I come? Why? I mean, other than I just, I've always done it, and mom and dad did it, and grandma and grandpa did it, and probably many generations before you. So, so if we don't understand the why church matters, give me, your, give me your eyes here for a minute, then it won't take much for you to get off track and get out of the church habit and find other stuff to do. So if you don't understand the foundation of why it matters, even though you're here today, it very well could be that something would come along and then pretty soon you're out of the church habit as well. Second reason for this series is because many of our children and our grandchildren are not convinced. Okay? Many of our children and our grandchildren aren't convinced that church matters. I've got some stats up here. Um, it basically says this. This is the key thought, I think. Uh, if you were born before 1945, about 70% of you are connected to a church. Think about that. 70% if you were born before 1945. If you were born between 1980 and 2000, millennials, that drops from almost 70 down to 42%. Pastor Brandt says the next, is it Generation X is next? That, yeah, Z, uh, that's even less. Yeah, Z, X, uh, Y, I don't know. Uh, Going to run out of letters over the years. But the truth is, as, as the generations come down, uh, what was really important to those born uh, before 1945, and they show it even today, almost 70% connected. Now it's less than half, 42%, and moving south. Here's the point. We better teach and train and explain why church matters to our children and our grandchildren. So it's important for us to understand, what's the foundation? Why does it matter? Because that's just what we do isn't cutting it. It isn't. You know, well, that's just what our family does. Okay, they, they might be compliant until they head out of the house, but they're showing with their feet and their behavior that I'm not just going to go just because you say that's what we always do. Third reason for this series, and this is true for all of us here today, 
the pace of life, 2020, accelerating faster and faster. How many of you would say with your hand, here's the truth, I'm probably too busy most days. Can I see your hands? Probably too busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, it's a large number of us. The truth is, uh, life is getting more and more demanding. I looked this up. According to Gallup, if you are a full-time employee, the average full-time employee today, 47 hours a week. Okay, so, so everybody who's only working 40, somebody's working well into the 50s. In um, 70% of the homes, both parents work. So just let that marinate just a bit. So now you've got both mom and dad working long hours. Children, if you have them, sports, band, drama, robotics, choir, almost all of the extracurriculars are more demanding than they've ever been. So suddenly now you think uh, life is faster, more demanding. The treadmill just keeps turning up. The treadmill of life just keeps turning up faster and faster. We're busier, we're more scheduled. So here's the fact. Many of us here in church today, you're overwhelmed, you're overscheduled, and you're exhausted. And I would say that's the perfect recipe for saying, you know what? <laughs> I think I'm just going to sleep in today. I think I'm just going to take a day off and get out of the church habit that I've been in, but things are just so fast and furious, I just need a break. And I'm here to tell you, more and more, every Sunday, people are saying that. And, and they're, they're just saying, I, I'm, I'm just worn out. Got to have a break. So, we're going to spend today and the next five weeks, why, from the Bible, God's book, why, why does church matter? Why is it vital? Why is it essential for those of us who follow Jesus? So locate with me on your phone right now, if you would, Matthew's Gospel. Or if you've got your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to stand and read out loud together a conversation between Jesus and the 12 disciples. Matthew 16, uh, Jesus tells Peter, and he tells us, this is what church is all about. We'll slide down to verse 13, and then we'll read down to verse 19. Matthew 16, you ready? This is God's word, let's declare it to one another. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your book. Thank you that you give us the opportunity to gather and worship your son, Jesus, together.
as a church family. And Lord, I'm asking that today and for the next several weeks, as we dig into your word, that you'll help us to see what you have to say about your church. Fact is, 2020, things are changing rapidly. Beliefs, convictions, uh, overnight it seems, are, are brand new and, and what was believed before is now rejected. Lord, but here in your church today, we want to align our lives with your eternal and lasting and unchanging truth. So, so would you help us to see what your book has to say? Put a guard over these uh, lips of mine, Lord. Set a watch over the door to my mouth. Lord, would you help me to get out of the way? We need to hear today from you. So we invite your spirit. We ask that the third person of the Trinity might be welcomed, first of all, personally in our individual lives. And we do that right now. You come take charge of each of us. We invite you. We drink streams of living water. And Lord, take charge today in your church. Corporately, Lord, in the church family, you come and we invite your spirit to move. And might, might it empower your word today. Speak, Lord. Your church, we're listening. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice. You can be seated. Okay, I'm going to give you uh, the, uh, the key idea, the key major thought, and then I'll spend the rest of the time trying to show you that it is in fact true, okay? So here we go. Here is the main key idea. Uh, why does church matter? Church matters because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords tells us the church is His plan to reach and change and save the world. Why does church matter? Well, uh, it matters because Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth, the sovereign God, the Lord of lords, he says, this is my plan. The church, the local church is my plan to reach and change northern Michigan. Literally, it matters because the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of northern Michigan. And there is no uh, B, C, D, E or plan. There's only plan A and this is it. And it's Jesus' plan today to reach and change the world. Matthew 16 is where we just read. Let's go back. Uh, 16.13, Jesus asks his disciples, who, who do people say I am? Who do people say that I am? Go back to the text, verse 14. Uh, the 12 are there, and they say, well, some think you're John the Baptist. And this is interesting because if you go back a page or two in your Bible, uh, chapter 14 and verse 10, John the Baptist has already lost his head. So they're saying, uh, they think that maybe you're the uh, resurrected uh, John the Baptist. Others think, verse 14, you might be Elijah the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. Others think you might be Jeremiah. Others just say, <clears throat> you're, you're one of those amazing prophets. Uh, verse 15, here's where it gets interesting. 
But what about you, disciples? But what about you? I'm glad that's what the news on the street, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answers, verse 16. This is huge. Here's his confession. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus, you are the Savior, the promised one. You are the second person of the Trinity, is, is what Peter says to Jesus. That's his confession. And, and verse 17, uh, here's, what, here's what Jesus says to Peter. That was a God-given answer. <laughs> God the Father gave you that answer. Well said, Simon Peter. Uh, verse 18 Here's where it gets interesting, starts talking about the church. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Will not overcome it. Okay? In case you didn't know, there's some, some controversy. Um, is it on Peter or is it on Peter's confession on Jesus and who he is, the second person of the Trinity and the Savior, um, I would lean that way, but others would say, no, the apostles were the foundation. I think either way, uh, you, could, uh, you could go with it. I would lean toward the second, but here's the key. And the gates of Hades will not overcome the church that I build. Got it? It's the church that Jesus promises to build. It's the church that's built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of the living God. And note, go back, I want you to notice here, this is huge, I, I think it's kind of fun. Um, verse 18, and it says, the local church is on the march. How do you know that? Because the gates of hell can't stop the church. Now think about it with me, the gates of hell... The gates are the entrance into the city. Do you understand? And the gates are what you would have to raid in order to take the city. Okay? So literally, with, with this picture in mind, verse 18, the church is on the march and we are raiding the gates of hell. We are moving and we are shaping and those living in darkness in Boyne City, in Petoskey, in Boyne Falls, guess what? I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell can't stop us. And in East Jordan for the last eight years, in Ellsworth and Bel Air, we are to be raiding the gates of hell in that community. And now in Alanson and Pelston and Indian River through Northridge, raid the gates of hell. And I'm telling you, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church... And Satan and his demons can't stop us. Do you understand? We, we are the ones who are on the offense with this picture in mind. The keys to the kingdom, give me your eyes, the keys to the kingdom is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hope you understand that, okay? So we take, as we march, we take the sinless life of Jesus. Sinless Lamb of God, never sin, thought, word, or deed willingly took our place on the cross, and he qualified, God with skin on, shed his blood to deal with my greatest problem. I ask you this a lot, what's Pastor Jeff's greatest problem? He's a sinner, and what's your greatest problem? 
sinner. Okay, so he shed his blood to take care of our greatest problem, willingly took our place in the tomb, dead, early Sunday morning, victoriously, arose from the dead. He did that for me. He did that for you. Can I tell you, that's the keys that we carry. Does that make sense? We, we march, and we marching in, and, and we're sharing with folks who are dead and hopeless and helpless and imprisoned by sin and Satan and death. And guess what? We've got the key to unlock their chains. What's the key? It's the gospel. Just told you. We have a sinless lamb, Jesus Christ, willingly taking our place on the cross, shedding his blood, taking our place in the tomb, victoriously arising from the dead. And if we will believe those facts and receive Jesus as Savior, guess what? That's the keys that unlock prisoners to sin and Satan and death. Does that make sense? So, so we're on the march, and, and church, Jesus says, I'm going to build my kingdom. We've got the power over sin and Satan and death through the keys that Jesus gives us, which is the gospel. And we are to be prepared. Do you remember that from last week? 1 Peter 3.15, be prepared. Give people a reason for your hope. Show them why you're living differently than they are. And we get prepared, and then we're ready to march in. And as the opportunity comes by, with gentleness and respect, we share the keys to the, how did Jesus change my life? And he'll change your life as well. Now, I got a question. How many of you actually got prepared and maybe even passed out a life book? Can I see a hand? This, this is, yeah, we've got some. Cool, cool. I love it. Now, guess what? Uh, some of you are thinking, ooh, snap, I forgot. Okay, so this is your chance. I've just reminded you. And how many now that you've been reminded, oh yeah, I need to get prepared, 1 Peter 3.15, and oh yeah, I need to have a tool ready to go. Because you never know when the Lord is going to give us an opportunity to take the keys and pass them to somebody so they can be freed from sin and Satan and death and suddenly now hope and love and joy through Jesus Christ is available to them. That's what it's all about. Now, um, just wanted to show you over here. I actually have a couple tools, and I'll leave them right here. First come, first serve. We have uh, the case for Christ. I said it last week. I'll say this isn't for taking home and, and getting popcorn going and, and just having a nice movie night, although it is a really good movie. Uh, so, so there, if you'll actually get prepared and then pass one of these out as the Lord gives you opportunity, it's, it's our gift from the church to you. Uh, we've also got more life books, and I also got uh, the Case for Christ answer booklets. And by the way, I read through it. It's really excellent. A lot of the questions that people will ask you, this has good uh, answers to it. So there you go. We've got tools for you to use. Why do we need tools? Are you ready? Give me, give me your eyes. Because people all around, most people around us are all chained up. There's no hope. There's no life. There's no joy. There's no peace. Why is it? Because Jesus Christ is what unlocks all of that for them because he did it for us. 
So we get prepared and we're ready to reach out with the keys, which is the gospel, and unlock through Jesus' power and opportunity, and we get prepared and we're ready to share. And that's why we do it. It really is. Again, help yourself. First come, first serve. How else do we know that God's plan to reach and change the world is the local church? Okay, that's good. I'm, I, I get those verses. We're on the march. I'll build my church. We're going to be on the march. We're on the offense. Turn with me in your Bibles or in your phone to the book of Acts. To the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Okay? Here we go. If you have uh, your Bible or if you've got your phone, um, the book of Acts is the history book of the early church. Early church history book, book of Acts. But the book of Acts is also the record of the Apostle Paul establishing local churches throughout the Roman Empire. Do you understand? The second half of the book of Acts, it's all about Paul and Barnabas, and now they're out there and and they're establishing churches. Let me show you, okay? So uh, Acts 12, if you want to turn there, uh, they are establishing the church in Antioch. Okay, here we go, fast. Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas planting churches in Cyprus and Pisidian Antioch. That's a different Antioch. Uh, Acts 14, establishing churches uh, in Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Uh, Acts 15, Jerusalem Council, uh, but then Acts 16, they're back at it, planting churches in Macedonia and Philippi. Acts 17, launching the church in Thessalonica, Berea, and Athens. Acts chapter 18, planting the church in Corinth, Galatia, uh, Phygia. Acts 19, establishing the church in Ephesus. Acts 20, you keep on turning, uh, uh, planting churches in Macedonia, Greece, and Troas. So, so what's the history of the early church? It's all about planting, establishing local churches in all of these different cities around the Roman Empire. That's what it is, okay? So that's the book of Acts. Now you're ready to go bigger? Can you handle bigger? Okay, one of you can. Uh, can, you, can you handle going bigger? Can you go fast with me? Okay, here we go. I want to show you something. This is, this is huge. Uh, we're going to do a little run. Uh, locate Romans 1 and then get ready to uh, charge, okay? You know, those sword drills, remember that? Remember that, Tim Ward? Charge. Romans 1, 1 to 7. Okay? Here's what it says. To the church at Rome. Okay? What's the significance? The book of Romans was written to the local assembly that was gathering in the city of Rome. So, Romans was written to the local church. Okay? Okay? Now... Flip on over 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2. Okay, I told you we're going to fly. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 2 says to the church in, any guesses? Corinth. 
2 Corinthians 1.1, same thing, to the church in Corinth. 1 and 2 Corinthians is written to the local church there in the city of Corinth. Likely a third letter, I'm pretty sure it was addressed to the church at Corinth as well. Galatians chapter 1, verse 2. We're just going to go straight through, okay? Galatians 1, verse 2 to the churches in Galatia. I'm telling you, again, local churches, this book we call Galatians, written to the local body there in Galatia. Ephesians 1, verse 1, to God's holy people, to God's church in Ephesus. Philippians 1, 1, to God's holy people, again, to the church gathering in Philippi. Uh, Colossians 1, verse 2, to the church in, any guesses? Colossae, yeah, yeah. Um, first and second Thessalonians, okay? And, and it writes, to the church of the Thessalonians, to the church gathered in Thessalonica. Okay, now we go to first and second Timothy and Titus. Uh, Pastor Jeff, see, it breaks, breaks down because that's not to uh, churches. Guess what? First and second Timothy and Titus are instructions for young pastor, a young pastor named Timothy and a young pastor named Titus. This is how you lead a local church. Do you understand? This was instructions for young pastor Tim and young pastor Titus. Here's how you do church in the local community. Uh, Revelation 2 and Revelation chapter 3. You want to go to the end of the book? Here we go. Uh, to the seven churches from the risen Christ. And he's writing to local churches. Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3. And Jesus has some words to say to the folks in the local church. Let's go all the way back. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Did you know those were written to local churches down through history, a record of the head of the church, the king of the church, the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ. So the gospels were written to local church churches so that we can know about the risen, resurrected Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection from the dead, and what he has to say to us. So what's my point? Ready? The entire New Testament is written to local churches. The entire New Testament is so that we, together as a church family, can effectively reach and change and see the world around us saved with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the entire New Testament is all aimed at local churches so that people around us in northern Michigan can be freed from the chains of sin, Satan, death, addiction, guilt, shame, condemnation. Y'all realize people around us, they might be smiling and look good on the outside, but Tim, you just found out, not so much. People are doing awful, and they are literally chained, and they have no light, and they have no hope, and they are helpless, And we got the key 
to set them free. And it's not us, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we carry. That's what we're supposed to be carrying everywhere we go. But first of all, remember, you got to get prepared. <laughs> get your three to five minute version of your story. How did Jesus bring hope to your life? Be ready to share it with gentleness and respect, 1 Peter 3.15. And then have a tool. <laughs> I like to have tools available, really do. Okay. Uh, for us to say the local church doesn't matter anymore, and I'm just telling you, I've heard from lots of, well, I don't think I need the church. I, I think I'm okay on my own. For us to say local church is optional, um, is for us to say with our choice there, uh, Jesus, I know your plan, and I know it's the local church, but I'm too busy to plug in. Do you, you understand? We're, we're looking to Jesus, <clears throat> and we're saying, okay, I, I see that's your plan today, but, but I, I, I really don't like to go be with crowds. I, I don't like, I've tried church a couple times, and, and I don't like the choices in my area. Or I like church in the woods, I hear that. Or I like church on the lake, or I like it all by myself, so I'm going to do it my way instead of your way. Do you see what we're saying? Jesus, I know you're King of kings, Lord of lords, almighty God, but I don't think I like your plan. So I'm going to do it different instead of the way that you've established, and you've said your plan is to reach and change the world. Okay? Because uh, I don't like your plan. I'm going to make up my own personal plan. I'm going to do it my way. I just want you to know, choosing to march to the beat of our own little drum is really popular these days. Do you understand? People are, well, I think I'm going to do it this way instead. I know, I know the way I've been taught. I know the way I've been raised. But, but I'm, I'm going to make up my own little thing. And what we're saying to Jesus is, no thanks, I'm not going to do it your way because this indeed clearly is God's plan today to reach and change northern Michigan. It really is. Now, there's this popular saying. I've seen it on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Aren't I becoming a techie, huh? Yeah. I'm working at it. Old dog learning new tricks. Here it is. But you've seen it. Don't go to church, be the church, okay? You know, when you first say that, you go, yeah, I, I kind of get what they're saying. I understand. Don't just go and attend and then come out leaving unchanged. Don't assume that just going to church is enough. I get that. You need to get prepared. Uh, you need to go to family and friends, neighbors, coworkers, fellow students, ready to share with them what hope looks like with your love and your good deeds, okay? So that's exactly right. Don't just go, but come out changed and ready to share, okay? But the problem with this saying, don't just go to church, be the church, are you ready? Here's the, here's the flip side to that. If you don't go to church, you can't be the church. See, that's the side that's missing, it sounds, oh yeah, and, and, and I don't even have to go, just be the church. Well, here, here's the truth. If you don't go, you can't be because the local church is God's plan for us to get taught and trained 
and discipled and encouraged and reminded regularly about our mission because it's a corporate mission. It's not a Lone Ranger mission. Lots of us today, oh yeah, I can do it. I'm all on my own. No, you're not. That's not God's plan. We need each other. And the problem is today, I think I can do it okay. No, you can't. That's not God's plan. If you're not willing to make God's plan to reach and change the world your plan, then you're not going to be effective because you're not in alignment with God's plan. You understand? If I'm not being willing to get gathering and connected and and be a part of going to church, then I'm not going to be effective at my plan instead. If you want to do it God's way, then, then, then suddenly now you're going to be effective. We march together as Christ's family to storm the gates of hell in northern Michigan. Do you understand? We do it together. We do it as a family. Will, will there be times when you're by yourself? Yes, but you got people praying for you and encouraging you and holding you uh, accountable, and, and then together we're cheering each other on, and together we, we can then make a difference for them as they have the keys on their chains opened up. Now suddenly we can be a part of them growing and getting stronger. And get, you understand how it works? God's plan is to reach and change the world through the local church. That's why the church matters. You understand? The local church is the hope of the world. And that's uh, really the first, and I believe the most important reason why church matters. Why? Because Jesus says it matters. Because <laughs> Jesus says it's essential. Because Jesus says you can't do it on your own. That's why church matters. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes. Lord, I stand amazed to think that you choose to use us as your plan A, and you don't have B, C, D, E, or F. Wow. Because the truth is, Lord, we all know, we know how weak and frail and prone to wander we are. So we come back recognizing how dependent we are upon your son Jesus every day, every hour, every minute. So Lord, I want to say thank you. We're privileged, but we're also, Lord, uh, a bit overwhelmed to realize you want to use us to reach northern Michigan with the gospel of your son Jesus Christ. So I pray this morning as we close that our commitment and our involvement in your church, your plan, would only get stronger. Lord, my my prayer is that we might step up and be ready to serve and use our gifts so that your church, through you in us, can get stronger and we can march with even more boldness and power. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your book. It's clear. It's obvious. And uh, I pray that you'll get us ready so that we can share why church matters with the people around us. 
with our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our our nephews, the ones that we teach in Awana. And Lord, I I just want to close by asking, is there anybody here today, perhaps watching online, who'd say, you know what? I I think I'm still chained up. (laughs) I I think I'm still bound up by sin and Satan and death and addiction and shame and condemnation. I got really good news. You ready? Is that you here this morning? There are keys to unlock all of those chains. And the keys are found in Jesus Christ and his gospel. What's the gospel? Jesus Christ, second person of the Trinity, took on human form, lived a sinless life. Therefore, Jesus uniquely qualifies to take your place and mine on the cross. He willingly shed his blood on that cross to deal with our greatest problem. I'm a sinner. So are you. Willingly took our place in the tomb early Sunday morning. He didn't stay dead. Victoriously arose from the dead, defeated sin, Satan, death, shame, guilt, condemnation, addictions. And the great news is this. If you'll say yes to what Jesus did for you and receive him into your life as Savior and Lord, the keys unlock you from those chains. Instant freedom is available. Will you say yes today? Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I receive. Be my king. Be my Lord. Be my friend. I need you in my life. Unlock the keys of the prison that I've been living in. And he'll do that today. If you do that and you're here and with us this morning, make your way over to the prayer chapel, over to the prayer corner. We'd love to pray with you. We'll get you a Bible. We'll we'll talk you through and help you get going. If you're watching online, let us know. We'll send you a Bible. We'll contact you and talk with you about your new life and how you can get growing in Jesus Christ. Lord, thanks again for allowing us to be here to worship your son in song. Thank you that we get to worship you as we give. Thank you that we get to worship you as we study your book. And now, once again, Lord, we're going we're gonna to worship you as we sing some more. So we love you, Lord. You're worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Did you know that tonight hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people are just going to go crazy about some big, fast people throwing a piece of pigskin all over some ground? And that's okay. But here's my point. Shouldn't we at least get as excited or more in celebrating King Jesus? So, having said that, we're going to stand and we're going to do a little different. We're going to do two songs, not just one.
So let's, in response to all that Jesus is and does, let's, let's praise him because he alone deserves our praise. Thank you.